This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that this morning you would open our eyes, our ears, and that you would soften our hearts to you and to what you have for us. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. If you think you're standing, watch out that you do not fall. Could there be a more sobering warning? These words remind us of our own sinfulness, of our own brokenness, of our own need to confess and repent yet again. This stark warning from our reading in 1 Corinthians 10 comes after Paul has reflected upon the history of Israel's failure in the wilderness. Here Paul is using Israel as a cautionary tale a warning of what happens when we turn away from God and turn instead to our own definitions of good and evil, of right and wrong. If you think you are standing, watch out that you do not fall. But how are we to read this warning in light of the psalm that we just chanted a moment ago? Whereas Paul gives the believers in Corinth a stern warning, the psalm offers the comfort that as far as the east is from the west, so far he sets our sins from us. So which is it? Should we watch out so that we do not fall or be confident in knowing that God has done away with all of our sin? Should the posture of our hearts this Lent be one in which we are sober, or one in which we rejoice in praise. Perhaps, perhaps we are creating a false dichotomy here. Perhaps we're merely seeing two sides of what Lent is all about. Think back with me to Father Jonathan's sermon on Ash Wednesday, in which he challenged us to reshape how we consider Lent, how we enter in to Lent. I think he said something along the lines of, ask not what you can do for Lent, but what Lent can do for you. But I might be, I might be fudging the lines with another quote there. He asked us, though, as a church, to consider not just what we want to give up for Lent or what, the, what habits we might want to take upon ourselves for this season, but what it is that we hope to gain from all of that. What is it that we hope to gain by giving some things up and taking up others. Because gaining and giving up are not contradictions. Being sober-minded and praising God are also not contradictions. The psalmist's call to remember who we are and who God is ought to be a sobering one. And it ought to be one that fills our hearts with hope and peace and propels us into greater praise. 
In fact, praise is the intended aim of all of Psalm 103. Look back with me at verses 1 and 2. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise His holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. These two verses teach us a valuable lesson about what it means to walk with the Lord. We need to talk to ourselves. David here is talking to himself. He's telling his soul what it should do. He's telling, he's calling his soul to praise, to remember, and those aren't two separate calls. No, David knows that if he can rightly remember who God is and all that God has done for him, if he can remember that, then his heart will swell with praise. And so we see David begin to declare all that God has done for him. Verse 3, who forgives all your sin and heals all your infirmities, who saves you, saves your life from the pit and crowns you with mercy and loving kindness, who satisfies you with good things, renewing your youth like an eagle's. Now this is interesting, and we tend to miss this in our English translations, because there's not really a way to show this, but in Hebrew, it's pretty clear that the you that David is speaking to is his own soul. In other words, what he's saying is, don't forget, soul. Don't forget that God has forgiven you of all your sins. He has healed you, soul, of all of your infirmities. He's not talking to someone else here. He hasn't shifted away from his original call for his soul to praise the Lord. No, he's rehearsing for himself all that the Lord has done for him, calling himself to remember. And why is this so important? Because as all of us know to some degree or another, we don't just drift into right thinking or believing. No, Paul reminds us of this when he writes in Romans that we are not to be conformed to the pattern of this world, but rather transformed by the renewing of our minds. And this need for transformation becomes all the more clear when we remember that as Christians we have a very real enemy. An enemy who longs to spread lies and turn our hearts and our minds away from God. John Mark Comer unpacks this reality so well in his, his book, Live No Lies, where he writes, the devil's primary stratagem to drive the soul and society into ruin is deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires which are normalized in sinful society. Deceptive ideas that play to disordered desires which are normalized in a sinful society. So why do we need to remind ourselves of what is true? Because, as Comer points out, the world or our sinful society, our flesh or our disordered desires, and the devil are all trying to convince us and to compel us to believe lies. Lies which seek to rip us away from God and to strip us of the abundant life that he has for us. And as someone once taught me, if you've heard a lie a million times, you're going to need to hear the truth more than once. We must hear the truth more than once. Because to believe the lies 
to live out of that misconception or these misconceptions of reality is what it means to stumble. St. Paul illustrates this in 1 Corinthians 10, which was just read. He looks to all of the times that Israel failed to remember to place their faith in God and instead worshiped idols, all of the times that they chose lies over the one true God. And I wonder, do we do this? Don't we also stumble? Don't we also believe lies over truth? Don't we also choose death over life? These temptations were not unique to Israel. No, Paul reminds us that no temptation has seized us except what is common to everyone. It's human to doubt the goodness of God. It is human to look elsewhere for satisfaction, for peace, for hope, for meaning. But if we fail to remember, if we continue in these lies, we will suffer. Or as Comer again writes, when we believe lies, ideas that are not congruent with the reality of God's wise and loving design, then we live at odds with reality. And as a result, we struggle to thrive because reality does not adjust itself to our illusions. To conform to lies is a dangerous thing. This season of Lent is a gift It's a gift, it's a tool for helping us to remember. And in remembering, it helps us to confront the lies we may be believing. Each time your stomach growls with hunger if you're fasting from food, is a chance for you to remember why you fast. To tell your soul to look back to God who truly sustains you. Each time this past week, if you wanted, or if you were like some of us who fasted from sweets, Each time you wanted to reach for a cookie or scoop some more ice cream, like I definitely wanted to do, it was a chance to say, where am I looking for my happiness? And this next week, as many of us will fast from social media, we're going to make space in our lives. We're going to create silence and thoughtfulness, and we will be invited into the struggle that is our own minds the struggle of trying to decide if we are believing lies or truth. All of these fasts are opportunities. They're they're chances for us to be intentional. They're opportunities to confront lies that we so often believe with the truth of Christ yet again. This, this is one of those things that we can hope to gain from Lent. Lent is a chance to remember But then the question is, what is it that we are called to remember? Well, like David, we need to remind ourselves of who God is and of all that he has done for us. In verses 7 and 8, we read, He showed his ways to Moses, his works to the children of Israel. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy, long-suffering, and of great goodness. Or as the NRSV translates it, the Lord is merciful and gracious slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. Like Paul, David is grounding his remembering in the history of Israel. He remembers their wickedness. He remembers their story. 
and he remembers who God has revealed himself to be. And so, David here quotes this description of God to Moses on Mount Sinai in Exodus 34, where we read, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for the thousandth generation, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. This is not only how David has experienced God to be, but this is who God has revealed himself to be over years to his people. David is actively remembering the stories of Israel, and in doing so, he is seeing his own story in light of their story. He's seeing his own story in light of who God has revealed himself to be. And this is something that we can do. We can take the time to reflect not only on the story of God's people, not only on who God has revealed himself to be in Scripture, but in how we have then experienced God in light of all of that. Where, like Israel, have you failed to trust the Lord? Where, like Israel, have you seen him provide? When have you heard his words of reassurance? And when and where have you have you encountered his steadfast love and mercy? We may not all be poets like David, so maybe for you, writing a psalm is probably not a good idea. (laughs) But how can you remember? How can you reflect on your own story? How might we take time this week to pause, to reflect, to remember? After quoting Exodus 34, David continues on, spending the rest of the psalm expanding upon who God is and who we are. He writes in verses 13, we'll we'll start reading again there, as the father pities his own children, so is the Lord merciful to those who fear him. For he knows whereof we are made, he remembers that we are but dust. The days of man are are as the grass, he flourishes as a flower of the field, For as soon as the wind goes over it, it's gone, and its place shall know it no more. But, but the merciful goodness of the Lord endures forever and ever upon those who fear him, and his righteousness upon children's children, even upon those who keep his covenant and think upon his commandments to do them. We may often forget, but God has not forgotten what is true. He knows. He knows that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. He knows that like Israel, we are prone to wander. And yet when he gazes upon our lives, when he sees us just as we are, dust returning to dust, his response is not to dismiss us, He looks upon us with compassion. Now this image of God, this compassionate Father, has caused me to reflect a lot this week. Not only to reflect on God as my Father, but to think of myself and the kind of Father that I am. And I so often fail to have compassion. There are those times when I snap 
There's those times when I'm quick to discipline, quick to anger, only then to think to myself, they're only children. They're trying their best. They're tired. They're trying to learn how to respond when they don't get what they want. Why couldn't I see that in the moment? Why wasn't I more compassionate? And I wonder if many of us see God this way. If this is our picture of our Heavenly Father, He's a really nice guy. He's usually pretty calm, pretty chill, until He's not. Yeah, it's, it's funny, but it's also very sad, isn't it? Because it rains true. But yet, praise God, He is nothing like me. Praise God that He never forgets who we are. And He never fails to have compassion. His compassion does not fail me when I fail as a father. It does not fail you when you fail as a wife or a husband, a parent or a child. It does not fail you when you're lazy or when you're overworked, when you're stubborn or when you're weak, when you're vain or when you're self-deprecating. No, He is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. If you ever begin to doubt this, look again to Christ. Look again to what he has done for you. Remind yourself of his compassion and his mercy that led him to the cross. Remind yourself again of the benefits of knowing and of trusting in him. Remind yourself that your, your sin truly is done away with as far as the east is from the west. Remember that this is who God is and these benefits are your reality. Christ is the truth. Christ is the truth that cuts through the lies. Christ is the truth that we need to remind ourselves of a million times. Christ is our reality. So how might we remember this Christ this week? How might we remember the times that he has met us in the past? Perhaps for you it will be through the fasting. But perhaps it's just in the quiet of the morning, sitting with him with a cup of coffee and making space to remember. Maybe it's at night in the five minutes before you fall asleep, turning your phone off, turning the TV off, and remembering who he is. To remember is a gift because to forget is to look for life where only death can be found. Should we be sober-minded? Certainly. The consequences of forgetfulness or of believing in lies are of no little matter. But neither are the blessings that come from remembering. Neither are the blessings that come when we remember and our hearts swell with praise because we know that our God sees us, that he has compassion upon us, that he lavishes us with his love, his mercy. As we press in to this, this holy Lent, let us cling to those assurances. Let us remember our reality. Amen.